I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. I feel like we're rounding out the year with a lot of updates episodes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to update before the new year. It's true. I feel like that's the hazard of having like a lot of episodes behind us, is that we have a lot of things to update people on, a lot mm-hmm. of topics that we've covered. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're talking about our sustainability journey, <laughs> which has been going on, what, for like six months? Nine months, maybe? My entire life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, like six or nine months, I haven't really been keeping count effectively. Mm. And so I figured we would kind of check in. I know we've mentioned a bunch of different podcasts to see how it's going for us. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, about nine-ish months. That sounds right to me. Yeah, I'd say a little over half a year. Well, we've talked about it. I feel like we've always just mentioned it, but we never really sat and had a full episode. Yeah. devoted to it we've had episodes devoted to eco products and stuff like that but not not this topic as a whole yeah i also before we started wanted to say something about sustainability and privilege i feel like every time we talk about sustainability i like mention it in a very awkward kind of haphazard way but i feel like i have in some ways distilled my views on it so i'm gonna put it out here at the front of the episode hmm. and then talk about it less and less awkwardly going forward. Cool. Um, We were watching this documentary on Netflix called Broken, and one of the episodes of it was about Ikea, specifically Ikea dressers falling on children. So like PSA, anchor your Ikea dresser to the wall, especially if you have children. Mm -hmm. But also it talked about some of the environmental impacts of Ikea and some of the like general corporate policies of Ikea. And that they're owned by a Nazi. That is correct. Also... And I thought there was an opportunity to take from that documentary that either you should buy like a several thousand dollar handmade dresser or not have a dresser at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a, a feeling sometimes in discussions around sustainability that those are the two options. You either have to do the more sustainable and often more expensive thing or just kind of like opt out. And... I think that's where people get mad at sustainability because that's an incredibly privileged view of things. And I agree, that's a bad view of things. Um, I think that people who have privilege have the opportunity to create the change they want to see in the world and use that privilege in a positive light. So if people with privilege can signal to Ikea like, hey, maybe your dresser shouldn't fall on children, um, that's sweet. But people should have dressers because um, living without a dresser isn't really a sustainable choice, as Donnie knows. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And equally, like everyone who's doing something and doing their best is doing great. You know, Whether it's like buying a more expensive dresser or opting out of taking a straw at the deli, Everyone is doing their best, and that is enough, you know? Um, And so that is what I wanted to say about that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much to add. Thank you. 
said it quite nicely, succinctly. As Thank you. So on to our own sustainability journey. I think that we have done a lot better this year than we've done in the past when we weren't trying at all. <laughs> <laughs> or I feel that personally. I won't speak for you. <laughs> I mean, that's the bar. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we've been doing good. Uh, we, we've been doing good. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I mean, not only when we weren't doing anything, but for a while we were just kind of dipping our toes in. We were like, oh, maybe we could try buying this. Oh, well, maybe we could try making our own cleaning stuff. And now we've, I think we've changed in our point of view a bit to where rather than like, oh, maybe we can do this one or two things, we're thinking a bit more holistically. Like, oh, how do we make choices on a larger apartment-wide scale that are better for us and, I mean, better for the planet, not to be cheesy. It's funny that you said larger apartment-wide because our whole podcast is about how small our apartment is. It's true. (laughs) Um, Uh (laughs) But no, I know what you mean. And I think we, that, that's it. We're trying to kind of like consider our choices more and see if there are options for us that better align with what we're trying to do. But I think in that we've also realized that there are some limits as well. Our, our goal is essentially to do better and do as well as we can. And then just kind of like feel okay with Mm. the limits or I try to feel okay with the limits because I think it's really easy for me to get into a place where I'm like, oh, I have to do like the best at Mm. everything. And I can't, we live in the system, you know, (laughs) we live in the system of the system. We live in an Island that has to get food pumped into it. Yeah. And like part of it is built on literal garbage on an Island, not in the Island. <laughs> unless, unless you're stuck underground in a subway, in which case you live in the island. <laughs> Sometimes I do. But yeah, now I hear that. And there's also limits to. Um, I was gonna say comfort, but it's like it's more than than comfort necessarily. Sometimes it is just that it's that convenience and comfort, but also I don't know mental health. Not to sound dire, oh, yeah. but like actually doing every everything zero waste or trying to go zero zero to 60 zero to zero waste would be um it'd be a lot i don't know it'd be a lot of stress sometimes even making small changes can feel stressful at first until getting into like the swing of it um so there's a limit there as well that's it yeah i was recently listening to the slow home podcast which is an australian like minimalism podcast mm-hmm. that i really like Despite the fact that I kind of have a problem with Australian accents sometimes, so it's really good. Um, <laughs> and she was describing like slow living and sustainability and stuff as a series of systems, yeah. and that when you change one thing, often you're adapting to a new system, and that can take time, and there's kind of like an opportunity cost to that change. And I liked that a lot because I think I experienced that as well. That when I look back at all of the things we've done, we really have done a lot of stuff. But then, like, the next change also is so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Like this week when we went to buy the bulk coffee for the first time and, like, almost died, literally. (laughs) Like, almost just laid down on the floor of Whole Foods and died. I almost died in the one train. Jeez. Um, Almost got squished. Lost my arm. But I, I think I know in my soul that if we do that a few times, it will become much easier for us. And then, you know, six months from now, we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's just what we do. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. It's a really good example. Thank you. Yeah. It literally just happened, which is why it's on my mind, because yeah. it's so fresh and raw. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other examples, but none really. It's hard, because once you get... It is a system. That Australian was right. <laughs> um, once you get used to it, like any system, it's just like, oh, this is what you do, and then your brain... I don't know. This isn't science. Do your own research. But my brain is like, oh, that's no longer a problem. I can't believe it was ever a problem. It's just, you know, like, like okay, an example of, like, inverse. So we do the uh, washable ta- paper towels, the bamboo paper mm-hmm. towels. Recently, we've had uh, paper towels on hand in order to kill bugs, which is a separate discussion. Uh, Not about sustainability. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a limit i'd be willing to get rid of these bugs in very unsustainable ways if they would go away and stay away <laughs> um so we've had these paper towels and i don't know at first it was pretty easy like at first i was uh, like being totally honest i was just using them rather than the washable ones like, oh, i could just throw them away but then eventually i just like fell back into the system of using the washable ones hmm. um which it was an interesting thing that i noticed myself doing uh, so it's all, it, now they're just here for bug killing and also for cleaning in some parts of the apartment are just nicer, like the toilet when cleaned with disposable guys. Um, so we've had some on hand for that. But in terms of replacing them for like napkins when eating or, I don't know, cleaning other non-weird surfaces like kitchen countertops, I still just default back to the reusable guys. Um, and it's, it might just be like muscle memory, brain memory the system working but it was a curious thing oh and it's then it really is just kind of easy you know if they become just cloths just something to wash so why just make something to throw out unless it has the carcass of a bug in it now that we're talking about this though i'm thinking can we compost bug carcasses i i don't know we should ask the lady on saturday yeah i feel like probably not but maybe really i feel like probably they're just organic matter Mm, yeah, but like, what if they've consumed the poison already? That, but also if like there were anything in them, people don't want like a bunch of bugs in their compost. They're trying to use that. You know? Oh, okay, yeah, that's relevant. Anyway. Okay, anyway, that's not what this is about. Um, but this is this is real time podcast recording. <laughs> These are the things we're thinking about. Um. I wanted to talk in my sustainability journey about the sustainable clothing thing that I've been doing because, I mean, we've talked about a lot of kind of small changes we made to the apartment over time that were kind of like gateways into this for us. But I think that sustainable clothing for me was one of the first moments where I was really willing to invest in something more sustainable Mm. because I saw a series of stories that Brown Kids was doing on Instagram about sustainable clothing and investing in clothing and how that can actually kind of over the long term be a cheaper option. Um, And they were doing it kind of through the lens of like, how do you unpack your own? Um, Sorry, my cough is still lingering. (laughs) Sounded a bit like you were going to cry there. Oh, no, I'm not going to cry currently. We just watched a bunch of Imagineers cry on Disney Plus. Yeah. this has been a wild podcast already. <laughs> um, no, how, how you unpack some of your own feelings about spending and money and clothing and um, want versus need. Mm-hmm. And um, they talked to the CEO and founder of Tradlands, which is a 
sustainable clothing company that does basics and is really about like well-made long-lasting clothing and that was always something that I had kind of thought about in the back of my mind that if I invest in an expensive well-made piece of clothing is that cheaper over the long term for me am I the sort of person who can wear the same piece of clothing for years and years and years and still enjoy it Mm -hmm. and I thought a little bit about myself that I was buying disposable clothing because I liked shaking up my look and I would never like something from season to season but then I started reading into it a little bit more and learning about fast fashion and learning about the way that things are donated and recycled and thrown away and sent overseas and like all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, research that I won't get into here, but you can def Google it. I'll read a book. I guess this new book, Secondhand, just came out. Oh, really? Yeah, people were all about it, about all of that. By people, I mean, I saw NPR's book review of it. Oh, I have not read that, but maybe I'll request it from the library. Just came out. They might not have it. Oh, man. As we know from our library. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of stuff out there about this problem. A lot of sustainability bloggers talk about it as well. And I just kind of thought, I don't buy clothes that often. I am older now and therefore, like, around the same size year to year. Mm -hmm. And... I have a little bit of disposable income with which to start investing in some clothing items. And so I've been doing that over the past six to nine months. And (laughs) like this time. Yeah, it's not been a year for sure, but like, I don't know. Um, And I think this is one of the places where I'm really the most consistent. Like I've found a bunch of sustainable clothing brands and every time I need or want a new piece of clothing, that's really where I go. I'm no longer going to non-sustainable clothing sources as much at all yeah actually i was gonna say i don't think you've bought anything from like a big box store or even boutique or smaller like fashion chains no no i and i think it's an area where people who are sustainable and a lot of sustainable brands will do this if they've like gone through the effort of making themselves sustainable they're very clear about it Mm -hmm. so it's really easy when you're looking at a piece of clothing on a website to figure out how is this made by whom of what and i've liked that a lot i think that in some ways it's kind of helping me cultivate like a signature look quote unquote Mm -hmm. Um, because i have to think harder about each piece that I'm buying. You know, if I want to get a shirt that's sustainable, it's not going to cost $20. And therefore, is this a shirt that I'm going to wear over and over and over again? Is this something that is like something I really like? Hmm. I'm still thrifting. True. Seriously. Also very sustainable. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I, I try with clothes. I just don't have the vision in the same way I have with furniture. It's so hard. You always have so much vision when you're in there. It's true. It's true. I don't know. Sometimes you just got it, you know? <laughs> um, I feel like I was going to say, oh, that, uh, did you come up with that like question list you just brought it off? That's pretty good. Who made it? By whom? Whatever you said. Oh, I don't think I made it up. I, don't, I may have come up with that phrasing, um, but there yeah. was this huge campaign in the summer that was who made your clothes Mm. and a lot of sustainable brands were like showing pictures of their factories and the people who work there and talking really transparently about the sorts of benefits those people get and how much they're paid and that was based on um 
six or seven years ago in Bangladesh, there was a collapse of a garment factory and a ton of people died. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that a lot of U.S. brands were using that mm-hmm. factory. I do remember this, yeah, yeah. Um, and so one of the big things about sustainable clothing is the idea that, like, no one should die so that you can wear a $20 shirt. Right. So, um, but, yeah, I think those were my words. I like that. I like that, like, checklist. It's like a sustainable clothing checklist, whatever you said. Thank you. Uh, How is it made? By whom? Of what? Yeah. How is it made? By whom? Of what? It's cool. Thanks. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, I do not necessarily thrift for sustainable clothing. I just thrift clothing that fits well and suits purposes I need. I mean, thrift stores, I think, aren't necessarily going to have. Though now they might start popping up. I don't know. There are places you can thrift sustainable clothing online. Um, They're called Buy, Sell, Trade. And so, yeah, if you are interested in getting into sustainable clothing and don't want to spend the money to get it new because it does tend to be quite expensive, those are places where you can start. But also... pro tip. Something that goes around this community a lot is, like, the most sustainable thing is the thing you already own. Yeah. So even if everything you own is from big box stores and you have no idea who made it and where and how, um, that thing already exists and you already have it. And the best way to not contribute to the waste stream is to continue using it rather than getting rid of it and buying a whole bunch of sustainable stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why thrifting is also so sustainable because all of those things get taken out of the waste stream when you buy them. Right. Yeah, because I guess... That second hand, that book review I read, didn't read the book, which is why I don't want to talk about the book, but it's (laughs) specifically about the waste stream of thrift stores. Yeah, that's what fucked me up, because I used to think that donating my clothing was the same as recycling it, and it is not. No. Nope. And that really got to me. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. I will say that that is why I love thrifting furniture so much, because... I feel like that's a really good, sustainable way to get things. Hmm. And it's just, it's not that I hate thrifting for clothes. I'm just so bad at it. Maybe it's something I have to practice at more. I don't know. Yes, I mean, I think what you're doing is important too. I mean, as important as anyone buying clothes is. Like, <laughs> let's talk, talk about sustainability and privilege. I think what you're doing buying clothes, Jordan, is really important. Um, but I mean, in some ways it feels nice because these are often small companies and you're often interfacing. God, I love using interface as a verb. I was just talking about this. Uh, you're often interfacing with like the people who own that company, you know, right. um, and that's really nice in a way to support people doing stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. With, uh, I no. It was very aggressive. No, I mean, it's fine. Um, you just said what I was going to say. It's something I think about too, like as we're segueing into the bathroom space like i've been buying soap at the little artisan things we go to mm-hmm. i don't know that it's honestly markedly any better than just like bottled soap but i feel that it's definitely like better made less packaging less plastic and i also just like as someone in new york city who owns a business knowing how hard it is to do so i like being able to support other people who are like entrepreneurs or own a business, but specifically own a business trying to do a good thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think purchasing sustainable clothing is cool in that way and that it's creating a whole ecosystem, right? A whole like market. And I mean, it's not creating a market because the market is clearly there. Otherwise we wouldn't be buying it, but it's creating, I don't know, 
more opportunities for these businesses to grow. Like, I don't know how many customers they have, but they probably are. Like, yeah, I don't know. Low. Uh, far comparison. fewer than Target has. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool. It's been a cool experience, I think, and it's something that I feel pretty strongly about in terms of like, like I'm about to run out of socks because of holy sock syndrome, and holy socks. <laughs> I'm like looking for a place where I can buy sustainable socks. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. That's where we're at with that. But transitioning to the bathroom, I think another thing that sustainability has done for me over the time that I've been trying to practice it is that it helps me actually avoid purchases that Mm. I don't need to be making because Mm -hmm. it's kind of a metric that I put on every single one of my purchases or as many as I can. And so (laughs) we've discussed before my like relationship with the shower curtain. (laughs) Ongoing. (laughs) Ongoing. But I was in Target helping Joshua look for a bunch of stuff for his apartment. And also I don't like put this on anyone else, you know, like these are my choices and other people can totally shop at Target because I was standing there watching someone shop at Target and was having a totally fine time with it. And I was looking at all of their shower curtains and really like in the past couple of months, Target has come out with some great looking shower curtains. Um, and I was really like in this moment of like, oh man, am I about to buy a shower curtain right now just because like it's here and I like it and I have been trying to kind of set our shower curtain on fire for a long time. Long time. Yeah. And then I stepped back and I was like, I don't need this shower curtain. I don't need to make this purchase to contribute. Sorry, I just spit on Donnie because I got too, uh, too worked up. I don't need to make this purchase to contribute to something that I don't really want to be contributing to just because I feel like I want this shower curtain right now. And I was able to step away and feel really good about that because I think if we ever actually needed a new shower curtain, like if something devastating did happen to the shower curtain, like maybe it accidentally set on fire. <laughs> I w- it's twice now, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to source it from somewhere I felt really good buying it from. And if I'm not willing to spend that amount of money on a shower curtain, knowing that that choice would probably be more expensive, then I don't need a new shower curtain. Because, like, we have a shower curtain. We're actively taking showers and everything behind is fine. Curtain. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we just didn't shower behind the curtain. Like, if it was just wide open and we were weird as fuck. It'd be very wet. Yeah, it'd be so weird. Yeah, well, I mean, yes. Practically, it would be wet also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to have one of those completely open showers, though. I think those are cool. Like, with the whole room styled. Oh, yeah, like a wet room? Yeah. Yeah. Goals. <laughs> Along with an entryway mudroom. <laughs> <laughs> and pocket doors everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can jump right into the dish rack and when sustainability doesn't work for us. Cool. So, I think we talked about this when we talked about the dish rack and the kitchen overhaul episode. I think so, too. But I'm going to bring it back here because it's on topic. I was looking for a new dish rack. We needed one. Ours was rusty. Uh-huh. And there is one that's sold on a bunch of sustainability websites, and it just wasn't going to work for us. It was too small. And so... I made the conscious decision that this purchase was not going to be a sustainable purchase, that it just couldn't be in this case. And I think sometimes I do feel guilt about those things because I don't feel as much agency over them, maybe is the way to describe it. I don't know. Um, 
Or maybe I feel like I'm not trying hard enough that like if I had tried harder, I would have been able to find one. Mm-hmm. But I looked at a lot of dish racks. Mm-hmm. You're in deep. <laughs> yeah. I re- yeah. We've talked about it in other episodes. Yeah. And I just, I made the choice that I thought would be best for us because buying something sustainable that wasn't going to work and we weren't going to use didn't make sense either. No. Nope. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about that. I mean, it circles back to what I was talking about with the like comfort, convenience, mental health thing. Like having a small dish rack with the amount of dishes we regularly make just in our lives, like cooking our own meals and then eating and storing them. Um, sometimes the Tupperware ends up <laughs> when we need to clean them out being like pretty hefty. Um, and if we just had a small one and had to like constantly be finding extra space, putting down towels, blah, 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 just would make our whole like dinner breakfast together. It would have made it, it would make it a lot more stressful, I feel, than the ease of this two tier <laughs> earth destroying dish rack that we have. <laughs> so it makes sense to just made the purchase. And it, I would say, I understand the guilt, but I think. I don't know, I don't think you should feel that way. Like, in in some ways, it is sadder that those options do not exist, right? This is, like, part of a system that we did not create that we are right. living in. Um, but your actions, especially buying from sustainable companies, are hopefully moving the dial in some way, you know? Like, in putting your money where your fashion is... <laughs> Hashtag dining design corner. <laughs> um, you know, I think you're probably moving moving the dial a bit more, which is like maybe the most dadism thing I've said. I need to stop saying <laughs> moving the dial. Um, hopefully by shopping in these companies, you're changing the fucking world a little bit. Um, probably a little bit more than even we are with like composting or our very individual things, I feel, in supporting these companies, giving them money, giving them... A, a customer being part of their mailing list you know all those metrics matter a lot in terms of like getting funding blah 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 um really getting funding is all business have to do there's no blah 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 <laughs> uh, so i think you're making and i'm also like talking to you jordan but also talking universally in making these choices like you're doing the best you can yeah i think i have to remind myself that we are doing the best we can and the best we can is not 100 percent because the best anyone can is not 100%. And we exist in privilege, but not infinite privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people with more privilege than we have, and we still have to eat. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So we're out here doing our best, and sometimes that doesn't look as good as I want it to, but I just have to remember that. Yeah. I like that. What is fun sourcing? What are we... Oh, I wanted to say, I feel like we kind of went back and forth a little bit on this episode, but I would say that my major takeaway of sustainability has been, first of all, what I went into it for, like feeling better about spending my money and knowing that when I get something that I've spent money on, it's of value to me. Mm. But something that I didn't expect so much was how fun I would find it to source these things. Ah, nice. That... Previously, when I looked for something, I would usually go to kind of the same five or six websites that I knew sold them. Mm -hmm. And now it's more of like a digging expedition to find the thing I want, see where it's from, 
see what the sustainable factors are because there are a ton of different types of sustainability as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is it good for the planet? Is it good for the people who made it? You know, like, what is it made from? All of that stuff. Um, and not everyone is everything. Right. Is there a social mission to the company, etc.? So nothing is 100% there either. You kind of have to pick what part of sustainability and conscious consumption is most important to you. And all of that has been more fun than I thought it would be. It's not just mindlessly buying stuff for me anymore. It's really deciding, do I want this thing badly enough to spend a lot of time looking for one? And I think it's driven me further into thrifting than I ever have been before. Mm. And really thrifting a lot of things that I probably would have bought new previously. Nice. And I love thrifting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty much the same. I thrift for clothing because I think it's more fun than being in clothing stores. Um, most clothing stores, most, well, I take that back. There are some stores I like being in. Most, like that one time we went to Macy's and you freaked out. Yeah, I just freaked out in Macy's. <laughs> um, but for the most part, stores are kind of weird to me. Um, like walking into a big boxy clothing store, like in the mall, and they like pump whatever scent they want. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like all that shit really like I don't know weirds me out I find thrifting to be a much more comfortable environment I find thrifting to be more comfortable too because it's like no one really cares that much if you buy shit <laughs> you know like <laughs> no, no one's getting a commission <laughs> yeah no one's coming up and asking oh can I help you with something and five minutes later someone else comes up and asks you the same thing no one gives a fuck uh, so I really appreciate that and then yeah I think I've had fun finding other things too like I uh, been on a search for a pizza stone as of late. Oh, yeah. I found some cool artisan pizza stones out on Etsy, which is kind of been fun. Um, I've really turned to Etsy as a resource as well. I had purchased things on Etsy before, but now that's one of my first stops for things, which is kind of exciting because in the same way, it feels like you're supporting an actual person who made a thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you are, which is cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's all been pretty fun. Also... If anyone has recs on reusable coffee mugs that we can start taking to cafes. Oh, yeah. This is our 2020 goal. Yeah. Is to start bringing reusable beverage containers. So if anyone has any recs, send them our way. Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.